Father God, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your love and that <clears throat> your word never turns back void. Thank you, Father, for uh, the account of Gideon and this second part of this amazing saga between Gideon and you and um, the Midianites, Lord, and just, man, what you chose to do in Gideon's life, Lord, and how applicable it is to us, Father. I pray, Jesus, that we would not leave this place, Lord, missing out on what you have to speak to us, God. I pray that you would get me out of your way, Jesus, that you'd remove me from the equation, Father, that whatever is left upon the fleshly tablets of our hearts, God, would be from you and from your word, Lord. Just thank you so much that you love us. Thank you, Father, for dying on the cross for our sins, for shedding your blood for us, for for uh, fulfilling the prophecy of you, Lord, that you chose, God, to send your son. Jesus, you chose to come from heaven and, and walk upon this earth and have a fleshly body and yet be God and, and, and be our, our Savior, our Lord, our King, and someone that recognizes our frailty and, and so we can relate to you, Lord. And thank you for that, that you have not created separation between, between man and God, that you are the reconciler You've given us the ability to be reconciled to God through Jesus. Thank you so much for that. I pray that you would just guide, guard, and direct us, um, those online, those of us here in person. Lord, if there's any, um, anything that anybody needs from you, Father, I pray that you would just minister to them in such a way that they would know that you love them, God. Father, without us knowing that you love us, then why would we reciprocate that, Lord, back to you? Thank you that having a relationship with you through Jesus is absolutely the most wonderful thing, God, that we could ever do in our lives, that we could ever experience. And so, Father, we just continue to worship you through the reading of your word, God. Just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> we are going to, this is gonna be fun, going like this all day. Um, we're gonna be in Judges chapter six, verse 33 through 40. And this is the part, this is part two of the impossible made possible by God. Um, that's the title I gave to this series. And today the subtitle is, what are you clothed with? What do you have on? What are you wearing? Not physically, but spiritually. We're going to talk about that today. Um, we're going to take a, gr a good look here at what happened between um, Gideon being afraid, fearful. If you guys have read this account of Gideon in the beginning of Judges chapter six, the Lord comes and this is a pre-incarnate of Jesus Christ himself comes and goes under the terebinth tree, which is right where Gideon was at and, and calls Gideon, basically says, hey, you man of valor, I'm paraphrasing loosely, but he does call him man of valor. And so right away, the Lord calls Gideon who he is and how the Lord recognizes him. The Lord does not recognize him as a fearful man. He doesn't recognize him as the lowest of the lowest in his tribe because Gideon even said that. 
Um, the Lord ignores in, verse, in, in the first section of this scripture, the Lord ignored Gideon even complaining about why is all this happening to us? If, if you remember, um, just to kind of give you um, a basis for this, uh, the Midianites were this huge, huge, huge army. They would go in and during the season of harvest, they would come as many as locusts thousands and thousands and thousands of them, they would come into this area of, of the Israelites' encampment and they would take all of their vegetables, all of their livestock, they would destroy everything and, 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 and leave them destitute. And so they came all the time and, and, and the word says that this happened over seven years. And the reason why this was happening is because God's people forsook God and this was God's punishment or judgment against their sin. And that's one thing about the Lord. He's righteous and he's just in all things. There's consequences for us walking away from him or not living for him. There's consequences for us sinning. And so I love that about the Lord. He's honest. He's honest about who we are, what we are, and what we need. I, I posed a question the other day or last week, it could have been when it's like, if you have a friend in your life, and, and, and really, if you have a really close friend, they'll be honest with you, how you are, who you are. And if, and if you really want to grow in your relationship with somebody, you'll receive correction. You'll receive eh, maybe some punishment from them in a sense. God's word says that um, an enemy multiplies kisses, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so and that's in Proverbs. And so there's this character of God where he has righteous judgment against his people when they don't worship him. And the Israelites at this time, they were worshiping false gods. They had idols in their yards for prosperity and all these things. And, and, he, and, and Gideon actually, after the Lord had talked to him, Gideon, God told Gideon to go tear down this, the idols in his home and he did. And, and the men came out and they wanted to kill Gideon. And, and, and Gideon's dad said, well, why doesn't uh, this God Baal uh, defend himself? Why, why does Gideon need to defend him? If he's a God, then let him defend himself. And it's amazing that, believe it or not, all things, whether you see them or don't see them, principalities, demons, darkness, all things, even angels created and beings that we see and don't see will bow down at the name of Jesus, if not now, one day Amen. when he comes back. So Judges chapter six, verse 33 through 40. We're gonna go ahead and read the text and then we'll get in and discuss it. So we pick up, after um, Gideon's father made that statement in verse 32, I'll just kind of read that. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubal, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. So they renamed or gave Gideon a new name pertaining to what he did in regards to tearing down the idols of Baal. So verse 33, then all the Midianites and Amalekites the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. So, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abyssalites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, look, 
I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, it is dry. I'm sorry. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. Verse 38. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece out together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry on the fleece, but on the ground, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew all on the ground. So verse 33, we see that the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the East gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the Valley of Jezreel. So when it says they crossed over, they crossed over the river Jordan. Um, if you wanna look at a, a map, you'll be able to see there's this valley um, that they encamped in. Um, so the Midianites and the Amalekites, they crossed over the Jordan River. And they encamped in this valley, Jezreel. This was close to Gideon's home, his territory. Um, like I mentioned, we learned last week how numerous uh, these warring enemies of Israel were. Judges chapter six, verse five, it reads this, for they would, come up with their they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming as numerous as locusts, but both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. So how many of you guys, some of you know what a locust is, some of you don't, look it up on YouTube, go and find out locust swarms in Africa and you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is what the word is talking about in regards to how many of these armies of the enemy of Israel came, the Midianites and the Amalekites. Verse 34 says this, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abyssalites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulon, Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Man, I'm glad I don't live in any of these cities. I would always make them sound wrong. So this is a really important piece that I want you folks to, to gather. I really want you to understand what's happening here. Do not miss out on what God wants to teach us through this two verses pertaining to Gideon. I want you guys to think about who Gideon is, okay? Yes, Nehemiah. No, I just want you to think in your own mind. So remember who Gideon was. He was fearful, okay? He was timid. He wasn't this warrior, okay? He wasn't this person that people were following. He wasn't um, in charge of anything, really. And, and you see here where this one piece of scripture, the Holy Spirit gives us in verse 34, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. I don't want you to miss this. This is the premise for my title of this message. What are you clothed with? Okay. Or, or what do you have in your life that you wear upon your mind? Or what are you taking in and, and, and rela relating to who you are? Okay. That's more of probably a better way of saying this. And so you see here in verse 34 and 35, this amazing shift of who Gideon is. He goes from hiding down here on the floor 
in threshing wheat because he's afraid that, you know, the Midianites are going to come. He, he's, he's full of God's people that are worshiping demons, basically, and God's hand is not upon them at all. God's people cry out earlier in, 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 in 6, 1 through uh, 20, and, and, and the Lord hears their cries for help, and he goes to the most fearful and lowest person, and, and, and you would think that, what in the world? What's God really doing here? In my own mind, I wouldn't choose Gideon. In my own mind, I wouldn't choose myself for half the things that God calls me to do. Maybe in your mind, you think the same way, that God doesn't have something special for your life. And I want you to really take a look at what God did in Gideon's life. And I, I think you, can get, you can't get much more common than Gideon. He's super relatable to us in our human nature. And so in this first section here, it says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. See the spirit of the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that all things in heaven and on earth bow down to, he is the one that covered Gideon. There was a covering that happened, a supernatural covering that came upon Gideon. See, in, he, in the Hebrew word, labash or labesh, which is what this word means when it says came or upon, it's almost the same word. And it means to put on, to wear, to clothe or to be clothed. And so the scripture is saying that the Holy Spirit, the most powerful being in all creation, covered Gideon like a garment. You may be thinking to yourself, well, what does that have to do with me? I put my clothes, I, I got my shirt on, man. I don't see any supernatural thing happening in my life. We'll get to that. So you see also in this section of scripture that Gideon blew this trumpet after the Lord had clothed Gideon with his power and strength and might. Only then did Gideon blow the trumpet. Trumpets were used back then to call men to gather for something. It was not just this, like, you know, when you hear somebody's horn blowing, you, you ignore it. Uh, car alarms, who, who runs after a car alarm nowadays? We, we want them to get turned off. We don't, we don't wanna listen to car alarms, right? So when we hear these sounds, we're not in tune to that, right? Now, if there was a air horn for like bombs dropping in another country, in another era, we might really be aware of that. When our phone goes off and it says warning, you know, for fire or flood, we, we're attuned to that. So we, we have a natural gathering in our, in, our, in our personhood towards warning signs or towards a gathering sign. And so Gideon's era had this, the, the men would blow a horn and people would come. And, and, and you think about this, there was this person, personality, this whole mind switch or, or not mind switch, this whole switch in Gideon's personhood. And now the power of God is upon Gideon in an amazing, super crazy way. And yes, that's a technical biblical term, super crazy way. So he's clothed with the Lord. And after the Holy Spirit is upon him, he blows the horn. And what happens? So Gideon, with, his, with God's power and strength and might, only then did Gideon blow this trumpet, called upon the men of Israel, not just one came, not 10, Nehemiah, please be quiet, not 1,000, not 10,000, but 32,000. 32,000. We'll learn later on in scripture. So then 
I want you to also, I'm, I'm gonna read this. This is from Matthew Henry's commentary. I don't usually build a large uh, piece of commentary from another person in my, in my messages, but this was so descriptive of what went on with Gideon that I wanted to share this. Um, Matthew Henry's old time commentator. He's been around a long time. He's passed away. But uh, so some of the language may be a little old English, just to let you know. The preparation which Gideon makes to attack them in their camp, verse 34 and 35. God, by his spirit, put life into Gideon. The spirit of the Lord clothes Gideon. So this word says, it clothed him as a robe to put honor upon him. It clothed him as a coat of mail or, or you know, how a, a soldier would have chain mail. So he had this mail that was put on him. And again, this is a descriptive commentator of this section of scripture. Um, so it clothed him as a coat of mail to put defense upon him. Those are well clad that are thus clothed, a spirit of fortitude from before the Lord clothed Gideon. He was of himself a mighty man of valor, yet personal strength and courage, though vigorously exerted, would not suffice or be good enough for this great action. He must have the armor of God upon him. And this is what he must depend upon. The spirit of the Lord clothed him in an extraordinary manner, whom God calls to his work, he qualifies and animates for it. You all are called for the work of God. God qualifies all of us for his work. And the word animate means he puts us, gives us ability to go into action. Our relationship with God as he empowers us is not to sit and just warm a seat. He empowers us and gives us the ability to act on the calling that he puts in our lives. Gideon with his trumpet put life into his neighbors. God working with him, he blew a trumpet to call in volunteers and more came than perhaps he had expected. The men of Abizir, though lately were enraged against him for throwing down the altar of Baal. So here's the men that actually wanted to kill him when he destroyed the altar, but now they come behind him. In verse 35, they didn't just gather around him. The, the scripture says that they came behind him. So it was as if a general was calling his army and he stood there and all of these men were with him to conquer the enemy of God. See, these men were now convinced of their error. Bravely, they came into his assistance and submitted to him as their general. Abizer was gathered after him. So suddenly, so suddenly can God turn the hearts even of idolaters and persecutors. God can turn an idolatrous heart to worship him. God can turn somebody who persecutes God to worship him. That's the power of of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the work of Jesus Christ. So there's these distant tribes, even Asher and Naphtali, which lay most remote. They were far away. They were strangers to, to Gideon, but they obeyed the summons and sent him in the best their forces. Though they lay furthest from danger, yet considering that their neighbors 
were overrun by the Midianites, their own turn may be next. They were forward to join against the common enemy. So I just love that. It's a super descriptive on what God did by clothing Gideon. So see, they didn't just gather around Gideon, but they got behind him, right? There's this, that amazing shift of this frightened man speaking of his weaknesses and questioning if, excuse me, if God was for them then and why is all this happening to them? Now he's this mighty man of valor, the title that God had given him right from the beginning. So people, please see this, my friends, that God empowers. God wants to empower you. All of you young people in front here, God wants to empower you. All of you people here online, God wants to empower you. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. You see, there are things in life that we cannot do in our own strength. One of them is get to heaven. Sin has separated mankind from God when Adam and Eve decided to do their own thing. And God sent his son Jesus to reconcile that. That's the greatest miracle. You know, you hear people talk about miracles and healings and all these things. But if you really, if you really see when Jesus healed people, yes, it was because of his goodness and mercy. But if you see in Acts, when miraculous things happened, they were always pointing to Jesus. They were, people were drawn to salvation through these circumstances. The greatest miracle in a person's life is to be set free from the condemnation of hell and the persecution and, 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 and control of, of a sinful nature. There is absolute freedom in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and you have not experienced the perfect freedom that he gives through his son, then today is the day of salvation for you. Yes. If that's something that you would like to learn more about today, there's an opportunity at the end of service for that. So again, it is by God's spirit that we are to operate in. Maybe you are wondering, what does his spirit do for me or give to me? I mean, you maybe you're asking the question right now. I'm not Gideon. I don't have a huge army taking all of my food or livestock. It'd be like for you young people, if somebody took your iPhone and, and watch away your, your Apple watch and said, you can never have it again for the rest of your life and you can never buy one ever. Or take the most important thing in your life that may be you know, super, super important to you and have somebody get in the way of that. Or you know, maybe, maybe there's this, you know, uh, those were probably horrible examples actually. Um, but again, we don't have this huge army taking all of our food away or our livestock. But so what, what is God's spirit that we are to operate in? What is it? First of all, the Holy Spirit gives salvation when you make a sincere decision to invite Christ into your life, making him your Lord and Savior. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon your life. He becomes your helper, your advocate, your strength, empowering you to live a godly life. Yes. 
But without choosing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, those things are not available to us until we make a decision to invite Christ into our life, to make him Lord of our life. You see, we cannot get to heaven on our own merit. We've been separated, like I mentioned, from God by our sin. But God has made a way for us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take our place, to redeem us from our sinful ways, to bring us into a right standing with God. Jesus Christ died on the cross, shedding his blood for us, was buried, three days later rose again from the grave, conquering the power of sin and death. This is the power of God. The gospel, the good news that God has forgiven you and I of our sins. And you might, well, why are you talking about this? Brian, why are you talking about salvation or sin or, 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 or the cross? Because if we don't get past what God allowed to happen with his son, we can't get to the part of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live our lives. Without Jesus in the equation, there's no, there's no God. Maybe your own God, but there's not the God that's the God of heaven and earth. And so it's imperative that we know that the Holy Spirit is the one that brings salvation to somebody's life. So Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin. That's his job. It's not my, I don't get anybody saved. I present the truth of who we are as people and, and the truth of what Jesus did on the cross. And it's up to you to listen to the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart. Hey, this chubby preacher guy's talking about me. We listen. <laughs> Jesus said in John 14, 26, this is amazing. How many of you guys want help in your life? I do. You know that some of the greatest sales are self-help books? You always see that? Those are garbage. Self-help books are garbage. This is the best self-help book in the world. And if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles back there. They're free for you if you do not own a Bible. So Jesus said this in 14, John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper, so the Holy, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. If you think about this one section of scripture here, Jesus, the, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's gonna be leaving his best friends, his disciples. They, they, they've been walking with him, but he says, hey, this helper's gonna come and he's gonna teach you all things about me and he's gonna bring to remembrance all things that I've said to you. In other words, I'm not gonna leave you destitute and alone and, and by yourself. So this, this word helper, it's, quite, it's, it's a fascinating name. Can you guys say this word with me? Parakletos. Parakletos. You just spoke Parakletos. Greek. <laughs> that word is what helper means. What? Yes. Parakletos means advocate or helper. It's, it's, it's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the advocate to us human beings. He, how many of you guys have ever had to go to court? Hopefully none of us have. I have unfortunately in my past. Sometimes you have a mediator or a judge and, and they're, in your, they're in your court, 
right? They're, they're, they're on your side. They're rallying for you. They're gonna fight for you. They're gonna make sure you're taken care of. They're gonna help you. They're gonna petition against any foes that are coming against your life. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for those that believe in Jesus. That's his job. He's not some crazy mystical thing. Oh, the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's not what he is. He's a a part of the Trinity. He's the third person in the triune Godhead. He is this character of God, God himself, but yet given to us to empower us. And the same spirit of God was upon Gideon that is available to us as believers today. God's word said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's always constant. How How much consistency is there in the world today? Zero. There's no consistency in the world. I'm learning that more and more. I used to think there was. So also before Jesus ascended, oh, I already mentioned that, sorry. Sometimes I get ahead of my notes. That's what happens with a preacher when he just starts going off. (laughs) Acts chapter one, verse eight says this, but you shall receive power, so... Um, this is Luke's account. Luke wrote Acts. So this is Luke's account of um, what Jesus said. And so we see that in the first uh, verse, uh, chapter of Acts. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, this is Jesus speaking, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so The Holy Spirit will come upon us as believers and he will give us the power to be witnesses to people. That's one thing that I unfortunately have a soapbox on in regards to the body of Christ. Um, I believe, and this is my personal opinion, I'm not saying thus says the Lord. My opinion is that there has been a habit of American churchgoers to just sit in church and be entertained when really the purpose of the body of Christ is to be filled up, trained up, and sent out. Part of the vision I believe God has given me for Metanoia is to plant more churches. It's impossible to plant churches if you don't look for people to train up and send out. I mean, if, if, if all of a sudden God drew somebody here and, and we saw, hey, they have a calling on their life, go plant a church in Linda. Yes. I mean, why not? I mean, why not do that and, 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 and see this outward pouring of God moving people by his spirit to do radical things in the same fashion as Gideon? Next Sunday, we're gonna see the victorious conclusion of what actually happened with Gideon. But he had to go through this process and we're going through this process. And I really didn't want us to miss what the Holy Spirit has to offer us as human beings, because a lot of times we can read Acts and we can read stuff in the Bible and we can lose concept of it because we don't have, you know, armies around us, you know? We don't have those things. But what we do have is our own life that we live, that we need to live for God. God has called all to come to repentance and to have a relationship with him. And to do that, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, for God has not given us, listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is so apparent for now. God has not given us a spirit of fear. The media does. 
Your friends do on social media. The presidential candidates do. But God himself has not. We live in fear sometimes because we're afraid of circumstances and situations and things. But God has not given us that. God gives us something absolutely opposite. The scripture goes on and says, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power. What does that mean? Like electricity? Am I gonna shoot lightning bolts out of my hands? Am I gonna run big companies or be like a president? No, this is godly power. Supernatural power, like what God gave Gideon. It's the same thing available to us today. Please don't tune out what I'm saying. This is so important. And it goes on and says, and of love and of a sound mind. I'm sorry, people, but my mind is not sound on its own. And I'm gonna explain a little bit about what 2 Timothy 1, 7 is saying here. So God, if he lives in you, he has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power. This word power is dunamis. It means miraculous power, might, strength. That's what it means, dunamis. So it's saying God has given you amazing power and amazing strength that comes from him. Did you know that God is love? He is love. Do you know that God doesn't give us one thing and separate who he is from it? God loves us. And this is why he gives us these things because he knows we need it. He gives us a spirit of love. This word of love in the Greek, this word love is agape. Can you guys say agape? agape. Not agape, not agape, agape. It's the highest form of selfless love. It's godly love. It's love without an agenda. It's love without consequences. It's love without criticism. It's love without, well, I'm only gonna love you if you give me this. That's impossible for me to do on my own. I am naturally selfish. I love selfishly, but God doesn't. And in 2 Timothy, it says that this is what his spirit gives us. How many of us need to see this kind of love in our lives? I do. I need to see it in my marriage, the way I treat my children. Trust me, my children be like, yep. And what I'm trying to drive home here is that in, and you're like, Brian, you're not even in judges. I know I'm not. What I'm trying to drive home here is that what is impossible for us with God, it is not. And it's tangible. It's absolutely tangible. And, and he's wanting to hand that to us, okay, freely. Through our relationship with Jesus Christ, this is what we get. God got the short end of the stick, I'm sorry, but his son was mutilated on a cross so that we would have not only eternal life, but supernatural power while we're here on earth because it's hard living here. It's hard the things we deal with. It's hard the things we see. I see things on the news and I'm just grieved. But I love this. God gives us this supernatural, this power, this dunamis, this love that surpasses anything that we can understand. C.S. Lewis says this. He describes this love as this. Uh, this is from his uh, little excerpt from The Four Loves. I, I, I just pulled this out. Hopefully I'm saying this right. And he describes what he believes is the highest level of love known 
to humanity, a selfless love that is passionately committed to well-being of others. That's godly love. You know, um, there's a guy online who is a, a comedian and he's a professing atheist. I forgot his name and it, the video was played at a church a long time ago and I saw him on YouTube too. And um, he, he, he had this Christian guy give him a Bible and then was talking to him about the Lord. And, and he didn't make a decision. And he, he himself presents this video, okay? And he presents this video of um, his perspective of, of, of Christians and, and he says that, that why would Christians not present the truth of who Jesus is? Because it's so serious. It's like as if somebody was standing in the road and a semi-truck was gonna hit them and they didn't push them out of the way. Who is it? What? Penn. Penn and Teller? Yeah, catch his video. It's very serious. He doesn't believe in God. But he, he, he makes this amazing statement that the church, Christians in general, fail at this, at, at sharing Jesus with people, sharing the truth of life and death, because that's what this is about. And I bring that to you because to love the well-being of others supersedes food, water, shelter, clothing. Yes, those are necessities. But if we love people in that way and neglect sharing the truth that Jesus loves them and died on the cross for them and gives them the opportunity to have eternal life, then we've missed the boat. That's this godly love. So the sound mind, this other part of Timothy, uh, sound mind, it means this, okay? Can you say, I'm gonna ruin this word, sophronismos. Sophronismos. Means self-controlled or disciplined. So the word here where it says sound mind, it means, Nehemiah, check it out. It means self-controlled thinking. Oh, you and I are like on the same page. We need self-controlled thinking. <laughs> but it means having a disciplined thought process, a disciplined mind. The Holy Spirit gives us that. Think about this for a second. What, what does it take for your body to go do something? You think it. What does it take for you to make right or wrong decisions? First, it's in your mind. And so what the word of God is saying, there's this disciplined mind, this great thinking that God wants to give us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the spirit of God that clothed Gideon and that is available for us today. So back in Judges 6.36. So Gideon said to God, this is important too that we don't miss this. If you have... If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. So God encouraged Gideon in his faith, though his faith was very small. See, this is a picture of even, even though Gideon was still petitioning God for encouragement, God's mercy, God gave him his answer through his mercy. Verse 39 says this, then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test I pray, 
just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground all around, let the dew be. Let, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece, but only, I'm sorry, it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. So, like I mentioned, God in his great mercy lovingly encouraged Gideon again. Gideon humbly came before God knowing who the Lord was. He knew who God was. He knew how powerful and great and mighty he was. We see this is where Gideon says, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. The Lord had already, but see, it's interesting though. The Lord had already told Gideon what was going to happen. This was not Gideon trying to discern God's will. God had already told him that he was going to give the Midianites into his hands back in the other verses that we had read. So this isn't Gideon trying to figure out the will of God. So people misuse this section of scripture to say that we're to be like Gideon to use a fleece to discern God's will. But see, this lesson on how to discern God's will, I'm sorry, I got confused here where I wrote. Eh. But yeah, it's not a lesson to discern God's will, but this is a lesson of God's mercy and love in spite of disbelief. One commentator states this, yet before being too critical of Gideon, he's saying, hey people, don't be too critical of him. We should consider the challenge that was ahead of him. Many of us would immediately refuse such a call without even considering allowing God to confirm it. Gideon's weak faith was still greater than no faith at all. For this reason, Gideon is rightly included in the register of the great men and women of faith, which is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 is where you'll see Gideon's name. So people back then, they used to use a fleece uh, to discern God's will. They would cast lots. Um, but since the Holy Spirit was given to the believers in Acts, there's been no need for it. You don't see any other uh, casting of lots or trying to discern God's will um, in scripture, except there's one part where um, when in Acts, after Judas Iscariot had uh, died, um, the disciples said, okay, well, we still need to have 12. And so they cast a lot to discern between, I think it's uh, Matthias and, um, hold on, I gotta get his name here. Is it Matthias? I wrote it down. I'm going against my notes here, so I apologize. That's what happens when you memorize them and then you get confused on where you're at. Anyway, so the disciples had cast lots, but since um, all, of that was, all of that was prior to the, to, to the Holy Spirit coming upon the church. So after the Holy Spirit came upon the church in Acts, we don't read anywhere else in scripture where they cast lots at all um, or where they use fleeces to tr try and to discern God's will. Um, but it seems that, you know, once the Holy Spirit had begun to direct the activities of the church, um, there was a great certainty in um, being able to understand what the will of God is just by the direct leading of the Holy Spirit. So this, this is for us to today. The power of God, his salvation, his help, his grace, his mercy, his divine guidance. 
So my question is, what are you clothed in? Are you clothed in what God offers today or are you clothed in what the world offers or what only you can do yourself? That's the real question. See, I find it fascinating. Again, it's beautiful that we can, we can see the character of God here with Gideon, okay? Gideon already knew that God was gonna put, um, give Gideon the victory. But Gideon, and again, we're gonna see this again. We're gonna see Gideon um, talking to God. God saying, hey, if you're fearful, go do this. And, and this is how God's character is with us. He understands our frailty. He understands who you are. He understands who I am. He understands my thinking. God's word says that his, his, he understands how many hairs are on my head or maybe some that are missing. My wife's like, you should start combing your hair this way. <laughs> when your spouse does that, you're like, what are you trying to say? Um, and so the Lord understands us. He knows all things about us. Okay, God knew Gideon was afraid. God knew Gideon was frail. He knew he had no ability in himself to accomplish this task. Did God look over Gideon? No. God knew that Gideon was gonna question not just once, but twice, three times. There's another time where God secures Gideon's faith and trust in the Lord. And if God wants you to have a relationship with him, he wants you to trust him. Amen. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that you can trust him with your life, trust him with your thoughts, trust him with your anger, with your frustration, with your lack of ability to have faith, with, with your, with, with I, I don't know how many times it's like in my life where I've just told God, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know what you're doing. Will, will you help me? I, I don't believe. I, I've read the word before and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I, I, I'm having a hard time with this. You know, and God hasn't put me outside. He hasn't kicked me to the curb. He hasn't treated me the way I've been treated in my workplaces where I repeatedly don't understand something. And I've had people, are you dumb, Brian? No, I just don't get it. I don't know what, you're do I don't know what we're doing here. That's not God's character. And, and, and this, this is a beautiful picture of the mercy of God. Do you guys know what mercy means? Anybody? Not getting what you deserve. Yep. Not, not getting what you deserve. Yep. Gideon deserved God to say, if you think about it, Gideon deserved for the Lord to say, are you an idiot? Didn't I tell you in the beginning? Didn't I call you who you are? That's not how God is. His mercy is amazing. It's so, it reaches beyond our intellect because w this whole account of Gideon, there's so many accounts in the Bible that make no sense at all because God wants the glory. He wants to use your life and my life in such a way that when people look at it, they go, how's this possible? And you can say, because God is alive and real and able and, and, and doing things in my life. Some of you know this testimony, some of you don't, but before we had this place here, um, well, God gave us this place. My wife and I were on vacation and some of you know the story again, some of you don't. And um, we were really questioning what the Lord wanted us to do with this church plant. 
And I went through a season um, in, in May, this last May, where we had all this set up in my garage like this, okay? Um, I almost said this carpet, but no, there was a different carpet. And um, we had cameras in my house and I have LED lights that light up everything. And, and, it, 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 and it was just Gina and I on a couch. And then she was like, we need a worship team. And so we, we set this up in our garage and we did worship in our garage and Elisha helped out. He came and he helped run sound. And what you see the table back there, you guys, that's what my family room looked like with all these computers everywhere. And all I thought was, how are we ministering to anybody? We're a new church ministry. We had 10 people come and I don't even know half of them use the internet. Who, who, God, who are we talking to? Because see, the Lord gets down and dirty in people's lives. That's probably a bad analogy. The, <laughs> he does. I mean, he calls, us, he calls us out for what we really are. But what I'm trying to say is that ministry is like this. Ministry is one-on-one. -on -one. Ministry is talking with each other. Ministry is mingling with each other. Ministry is praying for each other. It's, it's putting a hand on somebody. It's saying that you love them. It's not preaching to a camera. That's if I had a teaching ministry and wrote books and traveled around the world and made a million dollars. And I had all this in my mind back in May. And this, this goes along the lines of Gideon's lack of faith and God moving in somebody's life. And I, I believe the Lord wants me to share this testimony with you that God is still alive and working and active. And so back in May, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like, Lord, why are we here? I mean, Bayside of Woodland donated a big trailer where we were supposed to take all this equipment back and forth. We had a contract with Oliver's Elementary School for when we grew out of this little community place over here at Villa Seville, all this stuff in place and it all poof, went away. It really causes us to question things. But God is still faithful and he's merciful and he's able to hear us complain about things. He wants to, if all you can do is complain to God, and maybe some people say, well, that's not right to say to people, Brian, but if all you can do in your life right now is complain, then complain to God because his ear never gets tired. Amen. And he wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk with him. Gideon was like, God, don't be angry, please, but I need to know if you're in this. So as I was talking to the Lord, walking around my house saying, why is all this stuff here? We even have a stage in my backyard, okay? That was donated to us from River Valley, I mean, uh, Twin Rivers Rescue Mission. I'm like, why is all this stuff in my house? Why? Well, we get to use a stage in Halloween out here. It's gonna be amazing. But God knows all these things, right? I don't know anything. I'm frustrated. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart that day. He said, Brian, have I told you to quit? Have I told you to stop? And I had to say, no, you haven't said stop. And it was more of like, have I told you to stop praying for Oliver's? Have I changed your trajectory of Oliver's? I, it was no. That's all I have, no? Okay, well then God and I moved on. He says, okay, Brian, well that subject's done. So then we go on vacation and Gene and I are up at Lake Almanor. We're blessed. Our family built a cabin there 60 years ago and none of us could ever afford it. And we get to go up there and it's a little... 16 foot wide sliver of land. I tell that to contractors and they're like, how do you guys have property there? Sorry, we're going over a little today. And so anyway, so we're up there and our friends call us and say, hey, there's this place across the street from El Taconaco called Fusion School. Why don't you call them? And that was on July 5th. And Gina and I are like, eh, whatever. And so that night, Gina got a toothache. 
and it was a really bad, perilous toothache. She was crying in bed profusely. So I'm praying for my wife and I'm laying hands, praying her while I'm trying to sleep and thinking our vacation's over. But I'm praying for my wife still and the pain didn't go away the next day. It didn't go away the next day and I made an appointment for the dentist and we came down on Monday. She had an appointment on Tuesday. We go, she goes to the dentist on Tuesday. He takes the x-ray while she's doing that comes to my mind, boop, oh, call the guy at Fusion. I call the guy, leave him a message. He calls him back in five minutes. He says, I tell him that we lost our place and we're a new ministry. He said, that would be an amazing thing. I'd love to help you guys out. So I called Gina up. I go, oh my gosh, this guy actually called back. He wants to meet us here. So we meet him here. Well, then Gina tells me later on that her tooth stopped hurting. And uh, her dentist said, there's nothing wrong with your tooth. The x-ray is the same last year as it is now. I don't understand, Gina. Like, here's some antibiotics, I guess, and some uh, mouthwash, I guess, but you're okay. Well, four days later, we're, you know, at, at the end of July 26th, it was July 5th, we signed an agreement here. And so this whole account of Gideon and, and how he talked with God and how God has a purpose in Gideon's life, to, right? To, to, to do this miraculous thing. We're gonna see the victory next week. God has the same purpose in your life, okay? I'm here to say God is alive and real and active. And, and this isn't about, I'm not telling you the story to say, oh, look at Gina and Brian and this church building. No, this is about God physically bothering us so that we would make a phone call so we would be here because the Lord wants to do miraculous things in people's lives in Olivehurst and in Linda and in the whole world. So I'm gonna close with this, Romans chapter, I need my glasses, Gina, my kids make fun of me. You're getting old. <laughs> Romans chapter one, verse 16 and 17 says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first, that was the first ministry, to also the Greek. We are Greeks if we're not Jewish. We're Gentiles. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, and we're gonna close in prayer. And I wanna give you an opportunity today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to have a personal relationship with him, you can raise your hand and I'll pray, and you can pray after me, um, and I can lead you in a, re a relationship with the Lord. It's simple. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that you're a sinner, you wanna be saved, um, God's word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, for it's with your mouth that you confess and with your heart that you believe. Yes. And, and, and then a miraculous thing happens is the power of God will come upon you through the power of the Holy Spirit and give you salvation and give you this piece of scripture that we read in, in Timothy. Whether you're online today and you're watching this live stream or later, you know, put a message in there saying that you, you wanna know the Lord. I'll be happy to pray with you. Uh, one of the other leaders, he'll pray with you. Um, but I just always wanna give that opportunity. You never know who's saved or not saved. Um, today is the day. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. All sorts of things could happen but today's the day of salvation. And if you need prayer for anything um, after service, you know, come talk with me. 
uh, or Gina, Angelina. Um, Gina, if you guys want to come up and just uh, close us in a song, or just you two, if you want to, it's fine. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your love. Thank you for all these patient people here, Lord. Um, thank you for who you are and what you do and uh, that you have a plan and purpose for our lives and that you know us intimately, Lord. You know us. You know who we are. And um, God, I just ask that as we close in this last song, Lord, that if there's anything we need to get right with with you, God, that we do business with you, that we talk to you, Lord. Uh, just praise you and give you all the glory, Lord. Thank you for Gideon. Thank you for this account. Thank you that we get to read next week, Lord, about uh, the amazing victory that you bring. Just praise you and give you all the glory, Lord. Be with us, Lord, as we close out this service. In Jesus' name, amen.